Hear the word of God from James chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. These readings come from the Common English Bible. My brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers because we know that we teachers will be judged more strictly. We all make mistakes often, but those who don't make mistakes with their words have reached full maturity. Like a bridled horse, they can control themselves entirely. When we bridle horses and put bits in their mouths to lead them wherever we want, we can control their whole bodies. Consider ships. They are so large that strong winds are needed to drive them. But pilots direct their ships wherever they want with a little rudder. In the same way, even though the tongue is a small part of the body, it boasts wildly. Think about this. A small flame can set a whole forest on fire. The tongue is a small flame of fire, a world of evil at work in us. It contaminates our entire lives. Because of it, the circle of life is set on fire. The tongue itself is set on fire by the flames of hell. People can tame and already have tamed every kind of animal, bird, reptile, and fish. No one can tame the tongue, though. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it, we both bless the Lord and Father and curse human beings made in God's likeness. Blessing and cursing, cursing come from the same mouth. My brothers and sisters, it just shouldn't be this way. Both fresh water and salt water don't come from the same spring, do they? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree produce olives? Can a grapevine produce figs? Of course not. And fresh water doesn't flow from a salt water spring either. The word of God for the world. Thanks be to God. Just yelled at me a long time ago. Oh. Your pack is muted. There is a switch on the top. You could see how, how my tongue, they, they knew that my tongue could inflict evil, so they muted me. Very wise, Sam. Nice work. So back to Proverbs 15. The Proverbs speak a lot about our tongue. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. The tongue of the wise dispenses knowledge, but the mouths of fools pour out folly. This is, this is the one that got me, this, this line here. A gentle tongue is a tree of life, but perversiveness in it breaks one's spirit. So when I was five years old, an adult in my life came to me and got face to face and said, Justin, you're a bad kid. This is your fault. Those words played on repeat in my life throughout my years, even though I didn't really know it. And when I talked with Sally and McGray this week and then later with my wife, we talked about those hurtful words that we have experienced growing up, the kind of words that just break the spirit. I wonder if you've had those in your life. And what we discovered as I was reflecting about it a little bit and thinking about those hurtful words, whether it was in early childhood or, or whenever it was, it didn't really matter, but words can call into question our capabilities, our appearance, and our character. So I ask you, have you ever had someone speak words to you that broke your spirit? That ever happened in your life? 
the kind that left a wound that rippled out long after the words were said. I want to be clear about something here. Words matter. The words we choose to use matter. They have long-lasting implications for the people around us and even on the world. And our tongue plays a very important role. So James offers some very discouraging news <laughs> in this, this passage today. This is what he first says. He says, no one can ever fully tame that four-inch monster. No one can fully tame it. So in the, the bulletin insert today, you can see that the tongue is both our strongest and our weakest muscle. But here's the thing. Throughout this scripture, the tongue isn't really the genesis of the problem, it says. That's not the genesis. That's not the starting point. It's just a servant. It's just a messenger to something else. In Matthew 15, the religious leaders are fussing at Jesus and the disciples for what they're eating. And, and Jesus' response says this. It's not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but it's what comes out that defiles. For out of the heart comes evil intentions, murder, adultery, fornication, theft, false witness, slander. Yikes. Do we have that in our hearts? I want to volunteer. Who would come up if I had a little uh, machine that could connect to your thought world and connect to that and we could all watch your thoughts? Who would volunteer for that? Many of us wouldn't have our Sunday smiles on, would we? No. You know... Um, it's scary what we have in there. So this is what I want to say. The matter of the tongue is an actual matter of the heart. The matter with the tongue is an actual matter of your heart and my heart and our heart. Your and my tongue are going to be a, obedient to what's going on inside of our hearts, revealing our n nature and our intentions. And so in order to guard our big, fat our big fat tongue, we have to have a big fat heart. Yes, heart. And that's on your uh, insert as well. But here's the hopeful and challenging message. And I, I do think it is hopeful. I really do. While your tongue is very powerful, and it can't be fully contained. It actually can be controlled. It actually can be controlled. And that's what James is trying to tell us here. The question is, how? How? And the scripture offers us some practical advice. We must align our hearts to the heart of God. 
if we have any hope in trying to control our tongues. So we're going to look into each one of his uh, images and metaphors, and then we're going to jump, jump through and see what, uh, what James can teach us. So the first one, the first image is that um, of a bridle on a wild beast or a horse. Wild beasts are the passions and instincts that rage inside of us, right? It's the, it's the things inside of you that give you that first thought. You know what I'm talking about? The first thought that's maybe not the most positive or the, maybe not the most pure. And they're instinctual desires and they're normal, right? Those impulses that whisper to us, shout at us, or offer deceitful suggestions, and nobody knows what's going on with them with us until we actually speak it, right? But what those impulses often do is they bring us fear, which can stem anger. So many of us, and we talked about this a few weeks ago, wrestle with anger that stems from the frustration of feeling powerless of what's going on out in the world, what's going on in our lives. Do you ever feel powerless reviewing the news or social media or maybe somebody in your life that's really struggling and you can't do anything to help? Anger that comes powerfully from our heart can inflict damage on others. And that's the first blank on your sheet. We have to bridle anger, the power of anger from verses 2 and 3. You know, I told you the story of uh, uh, when I was young and somebody said those harsh words to me, but the truth is, is I've had many times in my life where I've used harsh words to others. There's times that I've said harsh words to my wife, I've said harsh words to my kids, I've said harsh words to my coworkers, and those, and we're all probably guilty of that at one time or another. And when I've delivered those messages, it's because my heart wasn't aligned with God's. Those passions that have raged inside, I wasn't able to pause and connect and reevaluate or walk away or put a bridle on that tongue. And so I want to invite you for just a moment to close your eyes and think about a time when you perhaps have said words to somebody that were hurtful. Could everyone think of a time? Here's the good news. Acknowledging it, inviting God into it, you can be free from it. You might want to write down that person that you said those words to on your, your sheet and pray for them. And if it's something right, talking to them and asking them for forgiveness. I did that with my daughter this week. I asked her that question. When was a time when I said something that hurt you? It was not great. It's not great. But she forgave me. So that's the first one, anger. So the second one is a ship and a rudder. 
It steers a a large ship. Just a few uh, weeks ago, we heard these words from Ephesians, and I think they align very well with James. It says, Let no evil talk come out of your mouths, but only what is useful for building up, as there is need, so that your words may give grace to those who hear. You have the power to steer somebody's life in a different direction, in a positive direction, in an encouraging direction. We have no earthly idea what's going on in the people's lives that are sitting next to you right now, that are in your communities, that are in the grocery store, that are around your neighborhood, and you have the power to encourage them. And that's the second bullet, the power of encouragement. I had a time in my life, I was in seventh grade, I'll never forget it, I played defensive back. I was very average. Actually, I was good in seventh grade. I got average as everyone got bigger than me. And there was this football coach, and his name was Mr. Gerhardt, and he was like a, he would get red in the face and yell at you. He was like a real hardcore guy. But uh, after a particularly bad game that I had uh, where we lost, and um, he pulled me into his office. And I'll try, try to say it. You can tell it had such an impact on my life. I wasn't getting many positive messages in my life. In fact, I was building up a body of work that would (laughs) reinforce Justin, you're a bad kid kind of stuff. But he pulled me into uh, the office and he said, Justin, I believe in you. I believe in you. Have you ever had somebody look at you at a critical moment in your life and give you a message of encouragement? If you have, you are blessed. Write that person's name down and tell them how much they meant to you. And if they're not around anymore, praise God for it. Praise God for how they have have been in your life. This week, you can brighten the life of a loved one or a coworker or a stranger Maybe you know somebody in your life that's going through something that you can be an encouragement to. Write their name down. Send them a text. Reach out to them this week. So that is the power of encouragement. Now we don't, we, Sally and I laughed when, we, when the scripture read, we didn't talk about the flame of hell too much in our, uh, in our, in our meeting when we, were, when we were preparing here. But um, the, The next one says, and I really love this, James refers to the tongue being a small flame that sets a fire, a blaze, a forest fire. And what came to mind as we were thinking about this was gossip. Gossip can be a spark or can be an absolute flamethrower. And that's the next bullet on your insert. It's, It's the power of gossip. So Proverbs has something to say about this as well. This is uh, Proverbs 16. Listen to this. I think it's, these are super old. The wisdom in this is just amazing. Worthless people dig up trouble. Their lips are like a scorching fire. And then it says, destructive people produce conflict. Gossip alienates your friends. Now, do we have any guilty parties for gossip? I don't want you to make feel bad. I just want you to be aware, right? So cure, gossip can be subtle or it can be 
really overt. And either way, here's why we do it. Here's why we do it. The ego loves to feel morally superior over others. And so that comment that we make, that question about a coworker or somebody else, or they're not doing bad, or we, or maybe we would say, we need to pray for, we need to pray for Andy. Have you heard what's going on with Andy? You should pray for him, but nothing's going on as far as I know. Just let you know. Our ego wants to lift ourselves up sometimes and subtly have other people be lower than. It's human nature, but it's not from God. So here's a few ways to safeguard from gossip. When you feel the urge, ask yourself, would I say this if they were standing right next to me? That's a good indicator. Second, don't triangulate. Hey, Sally, I got to talk to you about somebody later on. Somebody on staff. What Sally could say is, why don't you go directly to them? And if somebody tries to pull you in, you can, people will figure out pretty quickly if you say, you know what? I just, I think you ought to talk to them directly. I guarantee they won't come back trolling. For gossip. <laughs> you see, Peter, first Peter says this. I was looking at all these scriptures and they were just so rich. In first Peter three ten it says, Those who desire life and desire to see good days, let them keep their tongues from evil and their lips from speaking deceit the power of gossip. We need to bridle. Okay, the next one, deadly poison. Our world, as we know, is filled with hatred, dehumanization, and violence. It's perpetrated physically, but what we see a lot of is verbally. We see it all over the place. What's so prevalent today is the power of insults. Many of us are too comfortable with hurling, belittling insults on others and with groups that we disagree, even when we vehemently disagree with them. I've been guilty of that and needed to repent. And here's the, here's the problem. Here's really the problem with it. When we, when we kind of hurl those insults onto others, not only does it damage relationships, but it absolutely shuts down dialogue right there. It shuts it down. I could give you a million examples when I just scroll through my Twitter feed. And when I see friends, when I see friends, and at times, nobody here, of course, but people from the church hurling insults onto others. James is inviting us to something different. That doesn't mean we don't dialogue. It doesn't even mean we don't get angry. It just means we got to do it differently as people trying to follow in the way of Jesus. James says the tongue is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it, and here's the problem, here's the big deal. With it, we bless God. And then on the other, part, other side, we curse somebody who's made in the divine image of God. 
And that's what James is saying. The problem is when we hurl insults on somebody who bears the divine mark of God, it's in some ways hurling insult onto God in some way. So, here's my encouragement to you and to me. Put it in your drafts box. Don't hit send. Don't tweet it or tweet it and delete it. You know what has helped me tremendously? Unfollowing people. Hiding them. You can snooze them for 30 days or you can snooze them forever. If it's going to stir up the passions inside of you, get rid of it. Get rid of it. Unless you want to have a meaningful conversation with someone. Because the person for whom you feel moral superiority and the person who you are hurling insults on, they bear the divine mark of God. I know it's hard. The last one is brackish water. And it's the final image that he uses about the tongues. And he says, from the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this ought not to be so. Does a spring forth, pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and brackish water? Can a fig tree, my brothers and sisters, yield olives or a grapevine figs? No. No more can salt water yield fresh. You can bless up bless others and you can lift them up you can speak words of love and positively impact their life and by so doing this week you're going to make God's love real but you also and we all know it have the equal capacity to spew toxicity hurt things that cause resentment and harm and anger it's we're a mixture of darkness and light and Jesus can handle that that's the good news, the positive and negative. Jesus can hold it. Acknowledging that it's there is a really good first step because the matter of the tongue is a matter of the heart. If your tongue is out of control, you got to look inside because your heart is not in alignment with Christ. So what do we do to try to stay in alignment? And this isn't rocket science. It's just not. It's very simple, but it's not easy. To stay in alignment with Christ, we first must confess the way we've fallen short. Just confess to God. Maybe confess to a friend. That makes it more real. Confess to somebody and say, you know, I've fallen short in this way and I want to change because Jesus forgives us for our words. And here's the other thing can also heal us from the wounds that we're walking around with when people have inflicted hard words on us. Confess. Second, acknowledge what's there. Acknowledge the, the raging desire, the raging impulses, all of those things. Acknowledge what's there. John 15 says this. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. A branch can't fr produce fruit by itself, but 
must remain in the vine. Like, likewise, you can't produce fruit unless you remain in me. And that's the last way to remain in God. It's connected to the vine. And we do that through those little scriptures at the bottom. We do it by praying daily and asking God to bridle our tongues, to build others up, and to make God's love real. So the last question in your insert is for you to answer alone. And I'm just going to give you about 30 seconds to think about it. How will you, how will I seek to use my words to help and heal rather than to harm? How are you going to do it this week? Let's be quiet for just 30 seconds and ask God to show us. God, we give thanks for uh, being together, for the reminder that our alignment with you helps us speak encouragement. Help us to remain in you this week through love, through remembering who you are, your grace, and your call in our lives. Help us to remain committed to one another and help us to be the people that you want us to be. May, we be. may we confess, may we be aware of your heart, and may we remain in you. And we ask these things in the name of the Creator God, who loves us so much, the Redeemer Jesus, and the Holy Spirit who guides us. In these things we pray, amen.